The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Yeah, I don't think, but we gave ourselves time, yes, for you to lovingly and wholeheartedly admit that I am right. So that's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's never leaving. We haven't even officially started the recording yet. Did you not peep my name? <laughs> yeah, I saw it as I saw it last week as well. <laughs> so you knew what it was going to be <laughs> when you logged on. We will see. We will see because your day will come this well, Tuesday. Oh, yeah, well, this it. Tuesday. Well, this it. Tuesday. This is your well, shout moment. Well, it. Well, well, I think, well, I mean, the opportunity is there. Well, if you're trying to say that I won't be able to revel in my glory, then I will accept you feeding me grapes today. <laughs> I don't know. I can't call it. <laughs> I, um, this is one of the good things about what they've done with the story. I can't call it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Poor Miss Simmy. Miss Simmy is like, I want no parts of this. <laughs> I feel it gotten better. <laughs> Oh, oh, you mean after last week when he had to admit that I was right? <sighs> oh, no, I'm going to be petty forever. <laughs> I am the epitome of two gifts, Elmo Flames and Cardi B <laughs> twirling, saying forever. That's what's happening here. <laughs> I do love that gift, though. She is... Um... <laughs> You have to listen to the dark match. It is out for on all platforms. If you listen to our holiday shows in succession, so um, we're gonna flow into this new episode of our year-end review installment. And this week we're gonna be talking about NXT and AEW the year that most of these promotions had in 2023. So as you've heard, I'm joined by, once again, Miss Jupiter Julep. She's made it through the parking lot once again, but this is the NXT parking lot now, the most dangerous parking lot. So you never know. It might not be anyone from the WrestleCast affiliated if something happens to you this week. First of all, I have on a fur coat and high heels because nothing is going to happen. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Also, uh, I have backup. No, no, I'm not alone. I have no, yeah. Miss Simi playing the role of Ava is going to escort you to and fro mm-hmm. uh, the uh, corridors here of the NXT cast, Dynamite cast review. So, hello, Miss Simi. Hey, usually I do an air horn, but my throat won't let me. Oh. <laughs> so, here, this is my flax. <laughs> we thought. We thought Miss Simi was having her Jordan game the last time we recorded. No, it's not. Oh, it's, it's gotten worse, folks. Yay. So make sure that y'all, you know, listen and, and show Simi some support because she is definitely playing sick and under the weather, and we appreciate her time and efforts 
on this production that we are about to partake in. So we're going to start right off the top. NXT, the year that was in 2023. Oh, man, was it a year. The rise of Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker. Trick Williams stepping out of the shadows and being a sidekick into the main event. Ilya dragging off, showing that he's a major player in NXT. You had the metaphor come on the scene. Springing new life into Last Legend and Noam Dar and Jakar Jackson and our main man, Menza. Most recently, we had the breakup of the Air Punch Boys, Fallon Henley going out on her own. Brooks and Jensen going out on their own. Tiffany Stratton rising to the Tiffy top as our NXT Women's Champion, only to be unseated by the up-and-comer Falcon Lady. But in between, Becky Lynch making a stop down to NXT. The Undertaker popping up on NXT. Cody Rhodes, CM Punk. So many things that I probably even left out all in this year of 2023. So, Miss Simi, I'm going to start with you, get you in and out. What out of all of those things, or maybe something that I didn't mention, was your biggest takeaway from NXT's 2023? So, for me, it was definitely the Carmelo and Trick story. As you know, every week I'm on pins and needles trying to figure out, can I trust Carmelo or can I not? So that was a big one. Also, Rox Rox all of a sudden decided that she's going to beat everybody up. Love to see that. You didn't mention my boy, Wesley. Oh, yes, yes, yes. See, I told you there was a lot that happened in 2023 for NXT. My baby yeah. boy. Yes, Wesley, fighting champion until mm-hmm. literally his back gave out. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, for me, it's been um, Carmelo and Trick and the metaphor. I love them. I love that they always come with a the theme. I love that they remind me of the Powerpuff Girls. I love that Noam Dar is the token white. <laughs> I love seeing my girl Lash Legend just finally being appreciated by these racist ass people. Because again, I remember. Mm-hmm. So NXT has been just the best wrestling show for me this year. I've been saying it forever. Finally, people are catching up to what I'm saying. I would just say, I give a shout out to whoever listens to us over on the uh, up in the. Uh, Titan Towers are down in Orlando who listens to the NXT cast because we said the Dragon League was truly going to honor Wesley as a fighting champion. That he would have to do it in a three-way or a four-way. And what he do next week for the Open Channel? He had a three-way. He said in honor of, of Wesley and his willingness to fight 17 people at the same time, I will fight two of you. <laughs> <laughs> so see, thank y'all for listening down there in Orlando. We appreciate it. All right, Miss Jupiter Julep, same question, ma'am. I think I know what your answer is going to be because it coincides with our year-long rivalry. Oh, that's what you think I'm going to say? That's my nemesis. Well, I'm, I know it's high on your list. You're wrong. Oh, I like surprises. And the, mm-hmm. and the words of Marshawn Lynch from Lego Masters, the Christmas special. 
I can't go there because it's not a surprise when you're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, you know, you're surprised. I'm not surprised. Um, this is what I've been predicting. No, no. Instead, first of all, I feel as though NXT really is the epitome of stand and deliver because that is what they did through the ends of black and gold to the 11 colors neon color splashes to the melding i felt like this year they just said we are going to stand and deliver and they did consistently yes trick mellow yes Wesley, because thank you, Miss Simi. If you hadn't said anything about Wesley and my little color me bad baby, I was going to being such a fighting champion. But uh, I didn't hear anything about Chase U. Oh, yes. Like I said, there's so many things that I, I just, you know, so many stories and things that have elevated in NXT that I, you know, can't remember. I'm all, I would have took a 20 yeah. minute intro. Right. <laughs> but with Chase U, as in terms of stories, not just with Thea Hale, but also um, Duke Hudson, it, what is he really going to do? And it's been interesting to see them stand when the threat of like Chad Gable and the Alpha Academy is around. And the other guy came back and is trying to coach people. But yet Chase U is still Chase U. I'm a fan of them and their stories and what's going on with him and uh, Tony. You know, did they pay to to win the titles? I don't know. So there's always stories there in that neighborhood. That's what I was saying. Like NXT is a community. You have the crime element with Tony. <laughs> you have uh, Chase U so you could go to your local university. That's why I said Trick and Mellow should have a barbershop. As an as a part of the community, but I also really enjoyed this year having Ray finally convince mommy to drop Dirty Dom off to summer camp, and he got the belt and did very well. And because he got that reps, those reps in, he has really improved. Um, also, Baron Corbin, whom I can't stand, but he's back. I mean, didn't we start the year off with Apollo? And just the ability to have people go back and forth. Um, those matches with Seth Rollins, of course, what Becky Lynch did. So I, I was really, really, really pleased with NXT. It is one of the only shows that stays on my DVR where it records every week and the children know you better not delete it. <laughs> well, that's actually saying something because we know how, how, how bad your children treat you when it comes to the wrestling. Oh, and them hating ass kids. Yeah. Uh, and you know what they call lash legend, butt legend. It's. Well, I mean, <laughs> they got eyes. They can see. Yep, they can see. So they they, <laughs> they have a lot of questions about metaphor. They do. Your they kids really are so do. funny. <laughs> they are some haters. <laughs> Every time you tell me a comment that they made, I literally cackle. They're so funny. Um, and I only tell you the ones that are fit to print. <laughs> so yesterday I got a chance to hang out with my mom. So we uh, discussed mellow trick williams story and 
She's like, well, kind of like, I don't know, kind of like you, Miss Simi. I don't know if I can, I don't know what Carmelo going to do. It don't look like, you know, look like he a little jealous and look like he going to try to, you know, maybe not let Trick get his chance to shine. And he was like, but he should have seen this coming. You know, he can't stand in the shadow all the whole time. So he's like, I don't know why he, you know, acted that way towards him. So, yeah, she's very skeptical about uh, the way Carmelo is uh, making his move. So that means they've done a very good job with the story. You can't call it. And uh, that's the best that we can ask for as wrestling fans. Uh, Miss Jupiter Julep, you breached the topic with the integration of the main roster being the most it's ever been this past year with Judgment Day, Cody Rhodes making appearances, um, wrestling, Finn Balor, uh, one-on-one matches, Becky Lynch, pay-per-view, uh, PLE matches, uh, Johnny Gargano uh, coming back down for the uh, North American title. Big Bronson Reed was there as well. So, I mean, just a lot of integration this year. Uh, Miss Simi, did you have a favorite uh, main roster talent or person who was in, inserted into a feud in NAC this year that stood out? Hmm. Trying to think because I really loved just like all of them coming down there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm like trying to think of like who was my favorite. I really did enjoy like Becky Lynch coming down there. Like at first I was kind of iffy about it. But right. I think that that was one of the best moves because it really did help put eyes on like the NXT women's belt. Because on the main roster, it was like treated as kind of like a secondary women's belt, but it was still made important. Mm-hmm. And then on also on NXT, it was like the most important belt and it just gave them a lot of storylines to come. So I'm, I'm going to say, even though I was hesitant about it at first, I'm going to say it was Becky Lynch because I think it really like gave storyline to everyone and it really made a case for a fucking secondary women's belt. Give me (laughs) that secondary women's belt for the love of God. And it also made Lara Valkyria help make Lara Valkyria in the process and to Stratton. So because now I like her. (laughs) Right. I like the Falcon Lady. Now Falcon Lady. (laughs) is affectionate instead of derogatory look at that so mission accomplished with becky lynch miss jupiter julep your uh, favorite main roster integration um did you mention it earlier with dominic or do you have a second one that you like to mention as well well the kind of tying back into becky and dom what i saw was that a star is a star. And it doesn't matter if you are in a stadium like WrestleMania or if you are in a smaller space like NXT. If you have that presence and that entrance and that aura, it reads. So it was really apparent when you saw Becky come down it was really apparent when I saw Rhea in Judgment Day and their modified interest in what that was able to do. But what that also did was, like you said, you were talking about Tiffany Stratton and I ignored it because I said, that's just Don and his love of white girls. That is not going to necessarily show me much, right? But then I had to really, really watch and listen 
I said, oh, you really can transition well. Like you do have it. You are a star. You need more time and getting your reps in and getting more comfortable. But the girl is fearless. And she has developed her look already. She has, like, she's got interesting color choices for her gear and and is doing some interesting things with her gear. It's not the same old, same old. That's very smart because she's, her face and everything, like, ah, she looks like a regular white girl with enhancement. So she's doing smart things with her makeup, with her gear, with, with the branding. I don't think I would have noticed that if she wasn't in a feud with Becky. She would have been on my fast forward list. Secondly, when we talk about Dom, again, I could see the improvement with him being there with other people and also made a case to say, you think I should be here? Should I? So didn't he uh, do Raw, NXT, and SmackDown like in one week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did he defend all three of those those days? Le- or just Leading up, up to it, just up mm-hmm. here. Yeah, just up okay. here on SmackDown. Or uh, NXT, rather. Sorry. See? And it's just like, are you sure that I should be here? Or can you see that I can hang with the big boys? And he's parlayed all of this into a house show run with CM Punk, where they just did the gate record for a house show at MSG. I didn't know that, but that makes sense because they started laying those seeds there because, again, Dominic as a little boy being Mm -hmm. there, and when he came in, he was just staring at him like, I remember you. It's all very, very smart, and it ties into what CM Punk said he wanted to do, which was work with the youth. More on him later in this episode. Um, We've had an evolution of NXT this year. We started out with, as you said, the in living color version. And then we've kind of transformed into what I call the black and gold 2.0 era. Miss Simi, you were the main person who was saying, just give it time. You don't like it now, but we got a whole new crop of people that we've got to get used to, and they just need time. What did you see? in the graffiti era, as I like to call it, that I wasn't as quick to pick up on to start with that gave you so much faith in what these youngsters could become? Well, for me, when it started, I saw a direction, honestly. Like they, while I was like sad that we, um, like that black and gold was gone, I saw that like, even with like the In Living, the Technicolor NXT, that that there was a purpose to them restructuring this. Because as much as I I loved Black and Gold, I did. But what Black and Gold did is it kind of took NXT away from what it was supposed, from what it was intended to be, which was a developmental brand. Mm-hmm. To like develop these new young stars to get them ready for Raw in a SmackDown. Mm-hmm. They just are all of a sudden started bringing, you know, the Adam Coles, the Roderick Strongs, the Kyle O'Reilly's, the Shinsuke's, all these people that have been wrestling elsewhere for like 20 plus years. So they were already there. So it made it so that some of the newer talent who were really green and who were just starting out, that their um, 
their like quote unquote botches and all that stuff was more glaring because you were so used to like the Sasha and Bailey undisputed era like thing. But it's like these people have been wrestling for so long. So when when we got to the like the Technicolor and they stated their purpose, like we knew why it was happening, like from jump, they said we want to basically make this a developmental brand like it was supposed to be. And they followed up on that. They didn't just tell us things and then didn't do what they were supposed to do. They said, we're going to make this a developmental brand so we can introduce you to new stars. And that's exactly what they did. It wasn't just like basically an IWC basically show where it's just match, 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 match. They also gave you characters because one of the things that was like downfall a little bit of the black and gold brand is that everyone just came on like i'm a really good wrestler and it's like yeah cool but like what's your character what's your personality what are you about and it's like it started to feel like every single wrestler had the exact same story had the exact same care it was like cardboard cutouts mm-hmm. But then when you see like the NXT, like um, the Technicolor version, like you started to see more emphasis on like the characters were like Tony D'Angelo. I was a fan of Tony D'Angelo before he even started wrestling because I loved his character. And I was like, please be able to wrestle. Please be able to wrestle. Please be able to wrestle. And then when he could, we're like, yes. So, like, that's what I was seeing. I was seeing them, like, develop the actual wrestler, like, not just their skills, but their character, their mic work. So, to see that, so it's an easier transition. And so, like, I saw that potential, and I saw that they were actually putting the work in and actually doing the work that they said that they were going to do. It just needed time to, like, really figure it out. So like that's what I saw. I was like, okay. So they're trying to focus more on character, and you know I love new character things, and to make it so it like blends more. So yeah, you still you still can get those high level matches because you got your Tyler Bates, and all of them here, but you're still gonna be bringing in new people that you're developing. Flash Legend, Kalani Jordan, Tony D'Angelo, Andre Chase. You're gonna be bringing them in there. Miss Jupiter Jula, is there uh, anything that you saw? from the turn of the NXT in living color era into the now new black and gold 2.0 era that gave you faith that things would evolve the way they have, or did you have reservations maybe like I did? I think it was Braun Breaker. After the Steiner brothers were introduced to the Hall of Fame, and they were putting all, it almost felt like they were putting all of their chips on Braun Breaker. Mm-hmm. And then they realized he's not ready yet. So the fact that they did realize that and say, we're going to try to do a little bit more and work a little bit more. Uh, him having those matches with Carmelo. I think that that really, those that decision where it could have been really easy to just stick him on the main roster and squander this multi-generational talent because why not? And they didn't. And so I thought, okay, 
they're willing to invest and take their time. That's that's part of my saying that they were willing to stand and deliver because it's like I'm I, I felt like they were saying we got time, kid. You got time, kid. We're not going anywhere as long as you're willing to work and you're healthy and you still want to do this. Everything will be just fine. So, and I saw that a few other things, but that was really my indication. Okay. We're getting to the point with this crop that some of these guys are about ready for their graduation day. Uh, we, yeah, Carmelo Hayes right now, we've seen him pop up on SmackDown, a couple of week run there, having some interplay with Kevin Owens. I had a good semifinal match in the uh, tournament with Kevin Owens. Um, you've seen Braun Breaker pop up on Raw uh, for a time there. Um, Dolph Ziggler came down. They had a few back and forth while Braun was NXT champion during this run this year. Who else do you see ready to make the jump? They've just fast forwarded the Creed brothers into the mix. I mean, they just passed. They didn't stop anywhere. They just went from, okay, y'all done everything y'all can in the tag team division here straight to the main roster y'all go. But Miss Simi, anybody else that you see right now that you feel is ready for graduation day to the main roster? I think Tyler Bay can go on up. Bring that boy up to that main roster. Tyler Bay, I think. Um, I actually think Roxanne Perez, I think she wasn't ready before, but I think now uh, I would like, I can see her going up. I kind of want her to back up Bailey, but mm-hmm. I think Roxanne. Um, I think um, if you give Hate Nas Cora Jade a little bit more time, but I think she's almost ready, but definitely two definites would be um, Tyler Bate and Roxanne Perez, I think, are ready to go on up. And um, I think Chase U might do, like, really nice up there, too. Or And I know I'm, I, I, I always want them on the bottom, but Gallus <laughs> <I think laughs> could do well in the tag team division up there because they're starting to, like, um, rebuild the tag team division more, which I like. But um, I think them... And if they're not going to have um, Lola and Electra Lopez, like, finish out that storyline, I think they can go up to the main roster to, like, maybe um, contend with uh, Team Sunshine for, like, the belts. Well, I don't know. Lola Vice has been having a little less than satisfied expression on her face the last couple of weeks. And plus, you know, know. she still wanted to break out uh, – tournament so she still has a title match at some point in nxt in her back pocket and electra lopez looked real happy to see the boys back in town so i I don't know know. i would have been a little bit more salty as electra be like oh look who's back (laughs) is what you are but yeah lola vice been looking real stank lately i was like listen fix your face fix your face um miss jupiter julep same question to you um, who do you see uh, outside of Braun and Carmelo that you feel maybe might be due a graduation to the main roster from this crop of NXT stars? Tiffany Stratton, um, with Charlotte being out, with Liv being out, 
we don't really have that many faces, women faces, right? Um, Rhea's doing her own thing and Binky can't fight them all. We don't know where Jade is going or when she is going to debut. So I think that if you need like a workhorse, um, somebody to kind of develop, she would fit that pretty well. Other than that, I can't think of anybody else, really. I know you all said Chase U. I like Chase U. You used the term graduation day because you know that I think of NXT as a community. It would tickle me if uh, they did have a graduation ceremony and Carmelo came with a red cap and gown and looks around and says, what? I was taking night classes. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you know, something like that. It would also be interesting to see who the dean is. Like, who is conferring those degrees? Like, who would you get from the main roster? Or earlier this year, they uh, had I know some... they could get who? Shane Douglas. Dean That's Douglas. what I was... There you go. Because I was saying they were t- doing some Hall of Famers because Lita chose Lash Legend and Trick Williams. I was like, you folk did not immediately send out the bat signal to let me know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Mick Foley, they did some other people that um, said, hey, I'm looking at the product that could obviously, you know, act as a dean. So I, I like having that university and um, having people come through it. So I don't know if I want to see them at the main roster because what would they do besides have a rivalry with the Alpha Academy? Yeah, they could definitely get creative because, um, you know, they could always branch them off to different. Be- and then, like, uh, there could always be, you know, chase you people coming from NXT still, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, if they, they can get creative, but yeah, it could just be something that they just keep in NXT as a device to, because I mean, it's helping get the kid over in the breakout tournament is giving Thea a little story on top of it, you know, giving them something else to compound and add on to the whole chase you narrative besides just Andre Chase and his financial problems. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Jane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the person that I'm going to advocate for getting a shot on the main roster is going to be somebody out of left field that probably nobody's really thinking about. But I'm going to nominate Vic Joseph to take over for Kevin Patrick on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Vic Joseph is a beast, y'all. <laughs> I, I know the combination with him and Booker is very, very good. But Vic Joseph is low-key turning into like a, or a, you know, Mauro Ronaldo like in the I want to say it was the Eddie Thorpe Dijak match when they're on the outside of the ring. I think it's Thorpe has him and he's about to do the Uranagi. So Vic Joseph is like he's got him set for the Uranagi. He might be about to book in this match and then like Dijak reversed it and then he was like, oh, but oh, no, Dijak just hit rock bottom. And it was like, oh, Vic Joseph, you're out here spitting bars, huh? Because he just tied in the Uranagi, the original move, name of the move, the book in, which Booker T called it, his tag team partner, and The Rock, who used it, all in the matter of a smooth 20 seconds. It's like, okay, I see you, Vic Joseph. I see you. 
I really enjoy Big Chester. Yeah, I, I do think, like the dynamic with Booker T. Yeah, him and Booker are now. If we had a year in award for commentator for mm-hmm. the year, it would be Big Joseph and Booker T. Hands down. They are okay. <laughs> well, but you do bring up a good point. Okay, I know that Patrick is. Uh, you know, some people love him, some people hate him, but Showtime and did their broadcast with boxing, mm-hmm. what, two, three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. We have new leadership and new company mm-hmm. with TKO. Mm-hmm. What are you, you trying to say? Phase? I'm trying, trying to, say, to say, can Mauro Ronaldo come back home? <laughs> yeah. I'm if they move Mick Joseph to the main roster, yeah, sign him right back in the NXT with Booker. That'll work. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you don't think that he would want to do week to, to nah. do the travel week to week? Okay, well then, nah. yeah. I think that was one of the things that turned him off about doing Raw the little brief time he was on it. Mm-hmm. Was he there? Because you know he has mental health issues, so yes, yeah. you have to be very sensitive to his swings and things, you know. So. Mm-hmm some days are worse than others and so i think if they could limit his travel as much as they could or maybe keep him central to florida if they could to limit his travel that they would probably try to accommodate that in this climate because like you said different leadership different sense of different um sensitivities to different sensibilities i think is what triple h in this regime is trying to exhibit with these wrestlers and their health and well-being so that would definitely be a, a good shock to the system. I mean, hey, I mean, everything else, everybody else has come back from, you know, old wrestlers and behind the scenes people. So why not Mara and Ilo as well? That would be very cool. Let's put a bow on NXT because, um, I mean, there's really not a lot of dysfunction or controversy or turmoil going on with this uh program right now like miss cindy said it's probably from beginning of the year to end of the year been the best week-to-week program of pro wrestling uh, that you can find as far as consistencies with stories matches seeing people elevated guest appearances cameos they've had the whole lot this year so miss simmy I'll start with you to just kind of wrap up and give your final thoughts on NXT for 2023. Yeah. NXT has been a wang dang doodle this whole time. It just makes me happy. When I have to watch, like, uh, do my double marathon sometimes of, like, the both shows, I watch NXT last because I want to end with a high. It just <laughs> always makes me happy, even if there's, like, storylines and people I'm not interested in, Von Wagner, it's fine. I can just number one fast forward and it doesn't take away from anything else. They are consistent. They are the best at showcasing their women. There was one week where it was basically almost the whole show was just all women's matches. And I didn't notice until we were like talking about it. And I was just like, oh shit, that's been all women. So like they are consistent. They have a direction and they follow it. And they just know how to, like, combine, like, story elements with, like, the wrestling stuff and remember that they're actual, like, an entertainment show with the wrestling part. So NXT has just been my favorite. And I was right. (laughs) 
seems to be a reoccurring theme from the ladies on this program. Uh, Miss Jupiter Julep, same thing with you. Uh, your lasting impressions and lasting thoughts to NXT for 2023. Before I answer, can I ask Miss Semi a question? Of course. Go ahead. <laughs> what are you looking forward to in 2024 for NXT? Ooh. So I am looking forward to um, what they're going to do with the breakout tournament uh, participants and the winners. Like, I want to see more of Kalani Jordan. I'm looking forward to more of, um, it seems like they're trying a little bit more to develop, uh, especially tag teams. So I want to see more investment in the tag team division, especially with the women. And there's been, like, kind of, like, this, like, resurgence of luchador stuff in NXT. And I think that's been really cool, like, seeing, like, Axiom and the Dragon Lee. And also, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to what's going to happen with Trig and Carmelo. And I just want to see which new stars they're going to, like, basically bring into my awareness. Um, I love the Nathan Frazier axiom interactions in the kitchen or the lounge or whatever. Especially this that. past week when he was like, man, why can't you tell me he was behind? He was like, well, man, I was winking at you. He was like, boy, <laughs> I winked at you. <laughs> oh, that made me cackle. Boom. It made me cackle into a coughing fit. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. It made me laugh. I really enjoyed that. All right, Miss Simi. Thank you for your answer, as always. All right, Miss Jupiter Julep. Back to you. I think the best way of me answering that is talking about what I am looking forward to in 2024. Diversity. They're doing pretty well with it, especially because AEW has cornered the market in indie talent. So, you know, years ago when we got a KO or we got um, a Sammy or other people that came in and then, you know, on their stop to learn WWE style, camera style on their way to the main roster doing what they do. Now they would just go straight to AEW. So I like their recruiting and trying to develop younger talent. Also folding back in some of the older talent to kind of come through. I like that. Um, that's part of my bow. Also, who knew about Shawn Michaels? I didn't. Um, you, I really didn't. You know, we always hear about Papa H, but I mean, you got Uncle Shawn who is right there and developing and it looks like encouraging. And I really like that. So I want to see that trajectory go because I did look at some of those people and those gimmicks and the breakout talent. And I was like, oh, no, it, this, 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 this feels borderline. Uh-uh. Do not lean into culture in stereotypical ways. So that's my cautionary tale. But all told, when I think about NXT this year, I really do think of them like Sesame Street and having that community and really, really, really wanting it to feel like the heart of um, WWE going forward. That's what I want and that's what I feel is happening and that's what I hope continues in the future. I would put my wrap up of NXT in 2023 as the rise of the main event star. Because when this thing first 
flipped over to the graffiti edition, it was like, well, who's the, who's the main event? We just lost them all. And they gave us Braun Breaker. And then they built this Carmelo Hayes up to follow him. And now they've built up Dragunov to follow Carmelo Hayes. And I think that it's been such a great progression of building the main event and then building the company out from the main event. Then it's like, okay, who's going to be our workhorse guy? Okay, Wesley, we got a story with this kid. He's, you know, had some hard luck. The Miss Simi story, basically, they just listen to our podcast every week and just basically built the story off of Miss Simi going, but look at all his hardship and look how hard he fights and look how hard he tries. And and that's what makes him so endearing. And otherwise, when I was like, yeah, but he just don't come to work. But Miss Simi was like, but look at past all that, because when he do come to work, he would like work overtime. He like working 12 hour shifts. So racially motivated. <laughs> so. It, uh, so, but again, an, another person that they that they built out of, you know, a, a hardship situation for him, but it gave him a story and, and built him and endeared him. Same thing with Trick Williams, you know, a guy who came out of nowhere to help his friend Carmelo, but now he's garnered all this adulation and love from the fans and they're so behind them and they want, now they have a choice. They don't even know who they want to see win. They love Dragon Off, but they love Trick too. So now you got a match where, you know, the fans are divided and they can't call it. And they've done a great job building that throughout this year. So I just think that they've done just a great job building NXT from the main event down through the tag team women's division all the way through to the undercard. And it's just like Miss Simi said, very solid each and every week. Storyline driven, character driven. They've done a great job blending everything together. Going forward, I'm just looking forward to seeing um, Last Legend continue to show more confidence, get more opportunities, um, seeing if they go with Jade Cargill in the NXT developmental route, seeing what their plans are for her, how she progresses, um, seeing the likes of Akora Jade getting better, Tiffany Stratton getting better. Fallon Henley, I think I like her a lot, and now she's going to get a real opportunity, it looks like, to kind of get her own thing working. So I just like to see, you know, who's going to be the people who are going to elevate and take the place of the Tiffany Strattons and the Carmelos and the Bronze. Um, you know, are they going to be able to live up to it, and can they ascend to those heights? So just looking forward to the next crop of breakout stars, quote-unquote, in NXT. So we'll put a bow on NXT, and that was nice and neat. Not a lot of drama. Just a good, wholesome television show. Now we're about to shift to the other side of the coin. That is AEW. A 2023 that saw lots of turmoil. Backstage fighting. Departures suspensions, injuries, and a lot of other issues that had nothing to do with their in-ring product. Lack of viewership, lack of ticket sales, 
so much going wrong, it seems, for AEW right now as we end 2023, heading in to 2024. So we'll just start right off the top. The turmoil that was CM Punk in AEW. Tumultuous run that he had, flamed out in Wembley Stadium where Tony Khan was in fear of his life. Jack Perry got put in the front face lock. CM Punk went out, wrestled, won, beat Samoa Joe, and said, I'm out. I'll see y'all when y'all get back home. That led to ultimately Tony Khan saying, I've had enough. You're a danger to everybody around here. You got to go. Miss Simi, you've been the one who said, I don't get the big deal about Phil. All he does is talk. And whenever he wrestled in AEW, maybe the style was too physical for him. He always was injured. Yeah. It started in a blaze of glory and it mm-hmm. ended in a bigger blaze of glory. Your overall assessment, ma'am, of the year that was CM Punk. Ugh, that's what it was. <laughs> it was exhausting. All this time I was waiting. All these CM Punk chants y'all been doing in Chicago. All these CM Punk chants. I was waiting for it. Now, the first, like, two weeks was fine. You know, the first time he came back, you had that man crying. He did his nice little speech. He threw barbs at WWE, which whatever. And I was like, okay, this is a a cute little nostalgia run. This is where you're going to do. Next week, I was just like, okay. And then it just kept being the same thing. He just came on and just was talking, 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 talking. I was like, what are we doing? I need you to shut the fuck up and do something because nothing is happening. And then when he finally got in his matches, every time you talk your big shit and then you get in the match and then you can't retain it because you keep getting hurt. Stop doing shit that you can't do. Like he brought a lot of money. And a lot of eyes, like, I'm never going to deny that. But in the end, he, he he was the start of just, like, making that company absolutely implode. Because, again, I don't know if they had much of a direction for him besides, look, CM Punk is here. We have CM Punk and Vince McMahon does not. I feel like that's, like, that was, <laughs> that if you, you know how sometimes you have to do an outline for, like, your paper? Mm-hmm. It was just like paragraph one, CM Punk is here. Thesis, nana nana boo boo. And then that was it. <laughs> that was all that they had. It wasn't worth it for me. It was entertaining fodder, but like as far as like his actual like feuds or whatever, I can remember like the one with MJF was cool they had some good storylines in there that's when I finally started to be like oh okay the one with Adam Page was only memorable because of like the backstage part of it Mm -hmm. they had some good like promo stuff in the ring 
And then when it came to the match, it was a good match. But like, again, you got hurt right after. So it was like, what was the point? And that led into what was the uh, culmination of the first backstage incident, the brawl out. Right. So, yeah. It just, it was not worth it for me, for CM Punk being in that company. Because like, they created a whole new show for him. And then that was even worse because it was like people were already not really watching Rampage you created a whole other show where you took people that were like interesting that we wanted to see on Dynamite that we were regular to see to put them on CM Punk show. And then we basically never see like, why did you take Ricky Starks away from me? Why'd you do that? I'm never going to watch Collision. I hardly remember that Collision is here, but now he's basically almost exclusively on Collision. There's no like merging of these brands it's just him being in aw was not worth it like at all like sure you made some money but you also lost a lot miss jupiter julep same question your overall assessment cm punk in aew 2023 all good things must come to an end he came in with such a high that it, it was like a spectacular get and for him to leave as a spectacular <laughs> fail. I don't want to even say it's a fail, but it was meteoric. He didn't do anything part way. It's like, I came in with a boom. I'm leaving with a boom. Is it worth it? Does it move the needle? All this other thing, because that's what he likes to talk about. I think that CM Punk did AEW a fantastic favor. He did them a favor. And he did them a favor because what he did was expose the cracks because they were going along as this company. And I don't even know if they were, I mean, they were a company, right? But I don't think that they invested in infrastructure and business the way that they should have other than it's recess all day today. We are the kids who have the substitute teacher who lets us watch a movie and do whatever we want to do. And we're going to do this until our regular teacher comes back, AKA WWE or New Japan. And I I think that what they realize is, yeah, we can have fun, but none of us are passing. None of us are going to graduate. So is that what we really want to do? I don't know. I think he exposed a lot of that. And I, and I think going forward, we will see some shifts in business. Just the fact that they have released the news that Daniel Bryan was a part of the disciplinary committee. Why was there a disciplinary committee like that? I don't know. Why do we know who was on a disciplinary committee? I don't know. But I think that they recognize that they need to have an HR department. And I think they're realizing that there are gaps. And maybe we need to shore this up so we can plug up some leaks so that we can run the business better. And had he not had that press conference, had he not shown out the way that he did, would that have happened? 
I don't know. So I think he did them a favor. You bring up an interesting point about exposing the cracks. One of the biggest cracks that they had was how they booked potentially one of the biggest stars that they could have had, but they did not capitalize on the situation with Jade Cargill. Ironically, CM Punk departs. One of the people that had great things to say about CM Punk and his willingness to help and try to be there to help people improve was Jade Cargill. Not soon after her departure, she is in WWE with Cody Rhodes as well. I think if anything is an indictment on AEW in 2023, it will be that they could never advance Jade Cargill past a streak and a secondary women's title. Yep. Go ahead, Miss Emmy. There's no question. Just expand upon what we talked about for the first part of 2023. Like, okay, it is time for Jay Cargill to now mix it up with the quote-unquote AEW Women's Championship division caliber women. When's it going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never did. Never did. Because, honestly, she was not ready. And why was she not ready? Because they did, they did not invest. AEW, what they they seeming to me is like what record labels are like right now that they want the artist to do all the work. They don't know nothing about no artist development. They don't know what that is. The artists, if they even sign you, you have to have like a big ass following on TikTok and on Twitter. You are you should already have like a viral song before they even like sign you and try to get any marketing into you and then they just don't develop they're kind of like expecting a lot of these like uh, wrestlers to just to be knowledgeable and the problem is is that because basically the whole company started on wrestlers who were in the indies this is basically an indie company that came to the forefront and so now when it's you have these brand new like people who you should be developing who could be developing and you're not because you don't have the structure for like mr brajulip said they don't they didn't have like the structure they don't have the business structure if you're gonna bring someone like a jay cargill who has it you have to have a foundation behind her that's why what i that's why i loved what triple h said that yeah we signed her but we're not going to just throw her out there. We showed you her face. She's going to be there so that you know that she's here. But she's going to stay training. She's going to stay in development. And we're going to work on her skills so that when we throw her into a storyline, there's no worry that she's ready for it. They didn't do that in AEW. They're like, here you go. But like we said it the whole time that, sure, she can be like a Goldberg streak. But her opponents should be getting harder and harder. Her matches should be getting longer 
and longer until she does get to that final ball. So she does get those reps. And they didn't do that. Every single person that has left AEW or even the people who are still in there, they all say, we don't have like dark matches like that. We don't have a performance center. If you want to practice, it's basically up to you to just basically figure it out. They're not developing their stars. And so it's no surprise when you have stars like a Jake Cargill, who is interested in this, who has that star power, who wants to be in this business, is like, well, I'm going to go somewhere where I know I'll be taken care of, which is WWE under Triple H. Because under Vince McMahon, nope. (laughs) So they just didn't have that. And that's what's unfortunate. And I think um, I agree with JJ as well, where it's like um, CM Punk did expose those cracks. We saw the clicks before, like with the Thunder Rosa thing. We saw the mean girl shit, but he really exposed like the clicks and the cracks and just showed that um, Tony Khan is not a good leader. He wants to be the face of this company so bad. And it's like, he needs to be the money man. He needs to be the guy that, yeah, I funded it. And you just step the fuck back and just give it to people who actually know what they're doing. And I think that part of that comes from really understanding that who and what they are, right? So at this point, if they want to define themselves for themselves, they have to understand that, yeah, we need an Adam Copeland because he's fully developed. You need a Sting because he's not only fully developed and the icon, but can mentor and help people as they transition through the different stages of their career, even if they have the skills being developed. That's why, you know, getting in the indie guys or people getting in the people from different international promotions so that they can work other people and AEW is built on a premise of dream matches that having a television deal isn't maybe what they want to do unless they they got to figure out how to build towards those dream matches of having all those other people come in because in terms of their pillars or their homegrown talent they don't have the like you said developmental they don't have the house shows they don't have the opportunity for people to get their reps in. So then if you're not already fully formed, then what do you have? But then there's also something weird that happened where Taya Valkyrie comes in and I'm like, the fuck is going on with Taya Valkyrie? I've seen Willow, whom I love and adore. And, you know, I have tried to pounce my kids on several different occasions. And yet, what the fuck was that with Chris Statlander last night? We are taping this on on New Year's Eve, y'all. And it's like, I've seen Chris Statlander be great. But the chemistry is off. And I think it's because they're not having opportunities to work each other and develop chemistry and to develop a story even in house shows or off screen someplace else so that you're a well-oiled machine. They got to figure that out. 
They have to figure out what they want to be known as. What type of company are you? This will probably go, this, this can tie into a whole lot of stuff. But what you're talking about is mostly affecting in large numbers of the women's division. Because this is the division that has less of the um, indie experience coming into the division. You have more green up and coming people in the women's division. So when they have less time to be familiar with each other and refine their own personal skills, then yes, the, oh, we're just going to have these dream matches or we're going to have matches for the sake of these matches and not building a story or having a couple of weeks or months where, hey, they're wrestling each other. It may be tag team matches. It may be a match that gets thrown out for disqualification or something, but at least they're building a chemistry that will lead to a good match at the end, which is what these things are all supposed to be about. That I think it it hinders the women's division the biggest because you have less experience there, less fully formed people that is a division that needs more time in the ring. And but so, wait. yes, a few things. Number one, I have difficulty extending grace because of the announcements when AEW was formed and they talked about having diverse people and investing in diverse people. And then it didn't happen. I mean, I'm pouting about Swerve, but Swerve, we still haven't had a black male champion. Male, you know, I mean, at first we thought it may have been Scorpio Sky. Where is he, by the way? I, I don't know what's going on there. But in terms of they said they were going to invest in the women. They said they were going to invest in um people who were non-binary and people who were, what did we call Cassandra? An exotico. Invest in people of color. Not, you know, it was, it's been iffy, right? But now they have ROH, where they could definitely use it as developmental, as their NXT. And who's over there killing? Athena. 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 And you can't see that shit on TV. What's going on? So I'm just saying, like, I hear you, bruh. But there's still something, there's still like this gap in knowledge or understanding or something where when the Muffin Man, CM Punk, TM, uh, NWA podcast, I guess, when when he was like, Y'all can't manage a target. Is that what you mean? Because, you know, he ain't wrong. That goes back to the boss man, the number one man in charge of everything. Tony Khan, from the running of the business to the disciplinary to the booking. It all stops at his feet. But what we're going to look at is his booking. Like you said, AEW, born out of dream matches, action, fast pace, matches, 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 matches. Story, eh, the story is in the match. 
I used to be one of those type of people that was like, oh, give me more wrestling, WWE. They can tell the story with the match in the ring. But now that I get that every week on AEW, I look at AEW like, yeah, I need a little bit more outside of the ring to help me build this. I need a little bit more character development. The swerve character this year, they've done great with. Taking him from being in an on-again, off-again tag team with Keith Lee to whatever that feud was to, you know, aligning them with Rick Ross and they went viral and that kind of peaked everybody up on him and then the work that he's done as far as his self, as far as his character building and the things that they've done with him outside of the ring, the Hangman Page things, the Nick Wayne things, just his viciousness outside of the ring has translated now into what he's doing inside the ring. So, Miss Simi, we've been critical of the way that this show works as far as who gets booked, how they're booked, and how the stories are told. If you could give Tony Khan a piece of advice for 2024 going forward for his booking, what would you say then? Continuity. He needs to have a purpose. Plan out what the storylines are going to be and then book it accordingly to like build up to it. Because he just kind of starts with chaos and then it's just chaos the whole time. Or you'll do like one thing and then he'll just drop it for months and then just pick it back up. Like this uh, Keith Lee and Swerve feud, that should have happened like a year ago. It basically happened a year ago. And then they have this promo and then like he showed, he was just like, yeah, I think that now, you know, I've been building up these two. No, you really haven't. You haven't really built up Keith Lee. And Keith Lee said that he had like an injury and stuff, but like he hasn't been building up Keith Lee at all. Swerve has been building himself up, which now Swerve can go over there with the the white people that he wants to be with. So he can kind of go over there. But like this all of a sudden picking up again with Keith Lee and Swerve, it's like for for what? Like the momentum of it is gone so he needs to like stop just dropping storylines randomly you need to be consistent with it like if you have the storyline you need to build it from beginning middle and you have to know where it ends sure give some room to like maybe if something needs to switch up because the crowd is more into one person than the other sure give some for like spontaneity but you need to have like an actual like timeline and you need to know where these things are going you need to have a direction that would be like my thing like have a direction and have a sense of like this is what we're doing it's like i don't know what's happening in that brain it's just like we and then it's like no you can't frolic through every field in here you have to have like a fucking purpose Mr. Jupiter Julep, same question. Anything that you would like to suggest to Tony Khan for his booking for this upcoming year? Yes. In addition to what 
Miss Simi said about consistency and having somebody help you with that. Um, I think that he should be building towards WrestleMania. And what I mean by that is obviously not WrestleMania, but Wale Mania. He should be courting because, I mean, he did go viral. And I know that I've explained accusations, false <laughs> accusations to people. And I was like, yo, it happened in Baltimore too, right? And they're like, yo, Rick, like Rick Ross is, is, is there. It piqued the interest because that's something that WWE does really well. This is also where they fumbled Jade and really Cody Rhodes. You had these people who understand um, that they are stars bigger than wrestling and you need to do crossover promotions, right? So with Cody Rhodes being on that show on TBS, you had Rosario Dawson and she was like, let me jump on the back. You had Silent Bob and Jay. Where are they now? Um, but with the, you heard the, criticism i brought it back up about you told us that this would be diverse and i know that i stepped back because i wasn't seeing it and i was like yeah i'm not trying to sit next to hillbilly rick in the crowd nah no trumpers sorry so you got to give me something for me and what i'm essentially saying is that you have ice cube's son who's a huge wrestling fan who watches AEW, who goes to the live events. Why are you not courting him? But also, since you know that we're there, if you're trying to figure out what to do and you're trying to build consistency, I understand accidents, injuries happen and cards subject to change, but build up to Wale Mania. You want to send your Black wrestlers there or around and people know who they are and are interested in what they do. Jade being at Wally Mania, you know, I mean, people are like, who is that? She's doing, she's wrestling. Like, how have I never heard of that? And then, you know, I mean, her matches, depending on who she was in a ring with, were what they were. But either way, I do think that it's like keeping an eye towards, towards diversity. Also, um, I'm thinking, like, didn't they just have Von Eric come out because MJF was in Iron Claw? Mm-hmm. He's an executive producer. And so you would think that they would be more tie-ins with that. Why not? Um, Cassandro with the Exoticos. You had the baby. Oh, shoot. And I can't even think of Sonny. Oh, Sunny Kiss? Yes. Well, who's no longer on contract with them? Mm-hmm. But you had that to say, hey, Exoticos are a thing. And by the way, we have one here whom we're investing in. Dalton Castle came back and we all love him and the boys. I'm saying like, why, why are you not tying in to, to, to things? So I think they, like you say, building into consistency, but then also understanding that, yes, you can have your dream matches, but they also need to have legs outside because a lot of these people came in fully formed and that's why they're dream matches because people know who they are. 
but then even extending it further because i think that the reason why someone like me needs a story is because i don't do crowds that well so i am not going to your indie matches i don't necessarily know who these people are you got to tell me and one of the ways that you can tell me is by connecting them with outside things like your iron claw like your wally mania we've had a year of njf well not really a year more like probably like eight months of njf as the main champion now undisputed um with some mixed reviews i think would be the best way to describe his title run we've gone from him being super heel sharp tongue on the mic to kind of playing this kind of tweener baby face heel type of dynamic in a way miss simmy i think that you've kind of maybe take the temperature of mjf the best of the both of us on our show what have you felt about him given this main title run focus for the second half of 2023 is a thumbs up thumbs down or thumbs in the middle uh, it's thumbs in the middle more going to down he's not i don't like him as a champion i'm sorry he doesn't like excite me as a champion like when he's going for it it's all right because like he can give some good like promo jobs like he's good on the mic like we're never gonna deny that however when it comes to like a lot of his promos it's like there's always a point and like his storylines where he always just goes for like the lowest common denominator. And it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> okay. He's not main character material for me. He's not. He's good as an antagonist. He's good as like, you know, the villain and obstacle. But as like the main champion, as the main girly, as the youngins like to say, he's not not for me and it just this whole like him as champion has kind of proved it for me like people have been clearing give him the championship give him the championship just because he was a good antagonist when he was chasing it but now that he has it and they're trying to build like all these storylines around him it gets boring very fast because it seems like there's only like one type of story that he's able to tell as a champion as a wrestler it's either when you're going up against like the old heads i used to admire you and you were either really mean to me or i felt like you abandoned me blah 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 and that's really kind of it he doesn't like have anything else there's no other like nuances the most interesting i found him when he was champion was with him and adam cole and that's because adam cole did like 90 percent of the work it hasn't been satisfactory for him as a champion it's just not for me 
right, Miss Jupiter Julep, do you have any thoughts about MJF and his title run, or would you like to talk about the retirement of Sting? Uh, I'm going to do both. Okay. You have someone like me who doesn't watch the show weekly. So I'm the person that you want to lure in to watch through your champion, like who's going to get butts in the seats or move the needle, whatever, who's going to get you to watch. Also, um, who's going to pay that extra money for a pay-per-view. And I have to say that I totally agree with your assessment, Miss Simi. He comes across as one note and his note is tinged with victimhood. And that cannot work if you are on top. And then you're an asshole at that. So don't tell me that kids bullied you when I saw you sing an opera on Rosie O'Donnell show. I'm like, did they bully you because you were Jewish? Or did they bully you because you were just annoyed? <laughs> I mean, like, don't don't give me this sob story. Like, oh, it was bully. It was like you. It was you. Um, you know, like I, you have to wonder some things. So the Adam Cole, like you said, Adam Cole did a lot of work because I'm saying to myself, what we know when you watch wrestling is that when you have a friendship, the clock automatically starts ticking on who's going to get kicked through the barbershop window. Or in MJF's case, who's going to throw in a towel? Because that's what he did to Cody Rhodes, right? It's like, when is that happening? In terms of personality, you say that, you know, he came out in a double mask. He did all those things, but he didn't give me hero's journey, right? Where was the climb? Like you came in, asshole. Everything has been on asshole. So even with you with a friend, asshole. Um, I, I mean, some of the buddy cop, you were still the asshole and the buddy cop. And I did want a little bit more from him or that. I know that you haven't seen everything last night, so I'll refrain from spoilers. But as a champion, I think he was serviceable in a tag team. I do get a pop out of the kangaroo kick, but I I feel like he's got to add dimensions to his character and layers, which he could probably get from uh, being with Sting. See, there you go. I'm going to transition for you. Because like I said earlier, you need someone like Sting who's who's polished and been around um, and can help you through the transitions in your career. So what's next for you left, kid? You know, you need to talk to somebody like Sting and say, okay, there may be another gear for you to go to. And um, so let me just say this about Sting. Sting is one of the rare white men that I will go up for. I I am like, since we talked brought up um, in Living Color, I'm that lady that's outside the window. Like, don't nobody say nothing about my Sting. So <laughs> I love Sting. He is the icon. He deserves his retirement. I do have a question about it. Is he retiring from in-ring only? Or is he saying, 
it's time for me to go home, y'all. And y'all won't see me on TV no more. Yeah, it's the second one. He's retiring from everything. The road okay. and everything. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was like, listen. Oh, this does not make me happy. But, I mean, like, is he going to take bookings on, like, Comic-Cons and stuff? I mean... Yeah, probably I, so. I'm sure he okay. that. Okay, well, as long as he doesn't go to recluse, I just I just want to make sure I need proof of life of sting like every quarter <laughs> or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I can't. I am the one that my kids can't stand it because like when we did have snow, I'm like, uh oh, it's sting, and they're like, really? <laughs> Stop it! Like, let it go. It's not that deep, but no, I have a deep and abiding love for sting. Um, I am one of those people that, although I loved Surfer Sting as well, I don't want Surfer Sting to come back. What? No, I don't need for him to cut his hair and dye it blonde. That, no, uh-uh. I don't need that. I don't need that. I Because he's an icon. He doesn't have to change a thing. We all know. He's evolved. Let him be evolved. So that's like I, I don't expect him to to do anything. Like, hey, dude, let me catch a wave. No, no, he's fine. Just let him go. But uh, I am also sad in noticing that people don't give the proper respect to sting i mean darby allen is out there screaming get on your motherfucking feet <laughs> sting <laughs> like do you not know who is before you bitches i'm like i'm like darby allen language but seriously though because even he is disgusted like what is going on and you know dealing with like controversy or whatever else and leadership just to kind of go back and go forward a little bit um whatever is going on with Jericho impacted the match. And you had enough veterans in that ring who should have called it in a way that this is Sting's last time performing in Upper State New York, that it should have been about that. So if they needed to call an audible that Jericho is removed or on the, or on the outside of the ring, for the rest of the match so that everything else could kind of go on without the distraction of him, then that's what should have happened, especially on the last pay-per-view of 2023. Jericho is not giving up any of that spotlight. And that's why his ass needed to be booed because it's (laughs) no, seriously, because it's not about you in this moment. You're talking about, I never lost it, baby. And you can still do whatever it is you want to do. You are not retiring, sir. He is. Thing is. So when, you know, when he first came out and the people saying, Judas, okay, fine. Maybe they didn't hear it. But then when the booze started and you saw some of the signs and stuff, then they should have read the tea leaves. They should have called the audible. There was enough veterans in that ring where he should have been selfless because this is about Sting in this moment. This is Sting's 
last match in New York, Upper State New York. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying. With AEW in this past year, we've got introduced to a lot of tournaments. You got introduced to a lot of belts. We saw a lot of blood. And we saw a lot of injuries. All of these things have kind of led to a diminishing of the excitement of this product, I think, overall. Miss Simi, if maybe it's the too many belts, too many tournaments, too much blood, maybe it's something else. But what would you pinpoint as the reason that has soured you the most this year on AEW? Um, For me, it's not the too many belts thing. Like, sure, there are a lot of belts, but as long as you can make it interesting, it's fine. It's the lack of direction. Like I said before, they don't have a direction for where things are going to go. And they just drop way too many storylines. It's like they'll start one, half-ass it, and then we won't hear about it again for like three weeks. And then they'll pick it up again on like a collision. And then it'll be going on collision for like two weeks and then they'll drop it. And then they'll bring it up on the main roster as if we're supposed to know what's going on. It's like, what? (laughs) So for me, where it started to really go left for me is that just the lack of any clear direction of where anything was going to go. It's like they built up to something and then there's no like satisfactory ending for it. And so it's just like, it kind of feels a lot of times it feels kind of pointless to invest in anything because you're not, there's no certainty that it's going to continue or that it's like going to be like ended well. And so for me, it's just like, okay. It started to feel like they just started throwing shit just against the wall. Like when they had like just the constant chaos matches with the elite and the Lucha Brothers, it was just like, I wanted to die. It was just so much all of the time. And it's just like, they're throwing just like everything just to see what sticks. And if they had pulled back, like, taken away, like, three storylines and just focused, it would have been better for me. So, like, where they started to lose me was when they stopped having, like, a clear, like, direction of their identity as a, like, as a company and what they wanted, like, who they wanted to elevate, who was going to be at the top, in the middle card. There was no more direction. Of anything. So that's when they started to lose me. Ms. Jupiter Julep, same question. Is there a moment or uh, a particular instance that you can pinpoint where you began to sour on AEW in this year? Well, I'm glad you specified in this year. Because <sighs> there's been plenty over the years. No. There hasn't been one thing because I've been soured. So the question would for me is the things that have sweetened my experience for AEW. So I'll skip 
and say, come back to me when we get to the good things about AEW. And I'll ask you, has there been anything that has soured you this year from AEW? I would say the lack of a development. No, 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 no. This is what soured me. Too much programming. Like Miss Simi said, they've taken this roster and they splintered it up. So now it's like, well, guess what, man? Ricky Starks was coming out on Dynamite. He was starting to really be a thing. FTR is always good to see on Dynamite. Uh, Willow was bubbling up on Dynamite. So there's, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten people that weren't on Dynamite every week, but at least they were on there a couple of times a month. And so they would get sprinkled in here and there, and they were definitely a, a flavorful part of the show. But now with the Rampage, and now with the Collision, and now with, you know, okay, we're going to create this show for Punk, and Punk has his guys, and his guys need to be on his show. Well, like Miss Simi said, they completely have failed to integrate any of the things on Collision to any of the things on Dynamite or any of the things on Rampage into the things on Dynamite. So it's almost like you're watching three separate brands. When it came to this past pay-per-view, I was like, I only really care about like two or three matches. I care about the main event and hopefully they pay off the devil. I care about the winner of the Continental Classic. And I care about Edge and Christian or Adam Copeland and, and Christian. That's it. All this other stuff is whatever. Who cares about Big Bill and Ricky Starks? I don't see him. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. So I, I think that's probably the thing that soured me this year. It's just too much programming and not enough integration on dynamite with the other programming so i guess it's time to get to the things that we did like about aew this year since we've torn them down to the studs and talked about everything that they've done wrong and how we've soured on them there has to be some things that we did like so this is the part that we'll start with so miss simmy i'll give you the four here things that you did enjoy about aew this year Tony Storm's new gimmick. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> I love it. At first, didn't understand where it came from. Didn't know why. But I don't care anymore. It's wonderful. I love that the screen turns black and white when she comes on. I love that she'd be walking around here with no shoes on. It's so funny. I love that over-the-top-ass accent that she has. The silent pictures. The tits out, watch out for the shoe. Ooh, makes me laugh every time. Love that. Love Adam Page. Every time he comes on. Love that cowboy man. Love him so much. Whatever iteration he wants to come in on, come on through because I love me some Adam Page. Willow damn Nightingale. What a star. Put a title on that lady in the main roster. I love Willow. She's baby face on a silver platter right there for you. Wrestle her, her ass off. She knows how to get the crowd behind her. That pounce is amazing. Love her. I love Roddy's screaming gimmick. <laughs> Miss Simi! I do. Please, it makes me so happy. 
<laughs> it makes me so happy. Roddy screaming people's names. I did enjoy the um, Adam Cole, MJF, Buddy Cop thing because it did make me laugh. But every time Roddy would just scream, Adam! May, just It just made my heart sing. Very fun for your girl. Um, what else did I enjoy? I enjoyed Ray Phoenix um, being a champion. I enjoyed Orange Cassidy's whole run as AEW's version of the Intercontinental Champion. I don't know what it's actually, I can't remember what it's called, but international champion. Yep, that one. <laughs> I enjoyed him as the international champion. I think he brought on some really good, fresh matches. Every time he was in the match, it's Orange Cassidy. So it's like weird to say he gave it his all because his whole <laughs> not giving anything. But um, I really enjoyed him as the international champion. I thought he did really well. I liked all his matches. Um, I enjoyed Brian Danielson's eye patch. The white Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And then <laughs> um, Christian Cage and all of his mess. <laughs> Turtlenecks, his villainy, just great. Christian Cage shows that like when you come on, if you have just like a fresh take of what like you want like you don't have to basically coast on nostalgia when you're like kind of like an old head coming in like you can do it it can work for you but you can also just basically come up with a whole new thing and that can like elevate you even more so i enjoy that all right miss jupiter julep we'll put you back in tag you in here for the things that you enjoy about aew in this past year a lot of them overlap with what Miss Simi enjoyed um, going forward with the Adam, the fact that Copeland didn't show up, the fact that Cowboy, like all of them should have came. It should have been a running gag where they even got like Adam bomb. Like anybody <laughs> they named Adam or close to it should have shown up because that man was bellowing for the ages. <laughs> he really was. So I was like, what? He's the only one that showed up. Like, no. Um, they can still do it, but missed opportunity for them not doing it because to act like those other Adams who were there didn't hear him. Okay. I would say Julia Hart's entrance is really good. I think they need to let it breathe some more because as it is right now in the House of Black with their promos, I thought that their whole presentation was really interesting. So having it be dark having them step in and out of the light very cool when she comes out and they say honoring the house of black for her very good it's subtle but i like it sticking with julia hart her costumes are very good now that she is champion they're leaning more into the heart so you're seeing the heart shape the red she looks good she looks like a star we need more development in the ring but she's getting there they don't need to rush the entrance though let it rock let it be eerie um the other thing that i like is prince nana and prince nana's dancing and he, the fact that he's gonna dance either way and he has his swerve dance even though swerve is still in timeout yep <laughs> 
he's a scrub. Every time I see him, I'm like, I don't want no scrub. Scrub <laughs> can't get no love from me. That's what he is to me right now. Yep. But the match that he had with Cowboy Adam Page, yeah. I thought was really good and up for probably match slash feud of the year to me. Um, I'm trying to think of oh entrances once again Jade's I kind of like had tipped it in the last episode but Jade's aka Stroll good for you girl let him know and my favorite faction is the Blackpool Combat Club yes so I love everything that they do, especially when they get on commentary. Mox on commentary is a fool. Yeah. Also, Daniel Bryan, very good on commentary because the whole point about them is that we show up, you finna get your ass whooped. Yeah. You may be me, but you're gonna feel me tomorrow. Right. So and and I'm talking about it, the fact that they are it's like we eat, breathe, sleep matches these death matches and violence mm-hmm. and and i'm looking at you and i'm being strategic about your strengths your weaknesses and we're going to sharpen each other and try to break you i think that that is really really good whenever they're on, your, on their screen mm-hmm. i know that i'm in for a time even if wheeler Yuta with his fine self loses even with it, I think good things about them. I'm, I'm intrigued with Hook and FTW. Oh, I remember now. Orange Cassidy being the workhorse, whatever. You know, and still being like, whatever. Really, I think that people think of the gimmick and like, oh, he's freshly squeezed. And it's like, eh. no, he proved everybody wrong. And you know who else proved me wrong? The Gun Brothers. Really? Really. When they because when I saw him with their daddy, I'm like, look at badass Billy Gun. Oh God, they whipped those clowns and tell my scissor me daddy. I was like, what is going on with these babies? And why didn't their mother beat them more when they were young? I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> I do not advocate uh, <laughs> abuse, but you spankers. But anyway, like. I didn't really get it while they were together. When they separated, though, mm-hmm. many men wish death upon me. Like, wait a minute now. And the entrance <laughs> with the circle. Mm-hmm. I don't like the bullet claw in the beginning of it. But, you know, like Jay White, I've heard about in Switchblade for years in New yeah. Japan. And I definitely tuned in to kind of see what is the hype about Anwar? And I got it ish. Juice Robinson is a Muppet. Yeah. He's always been a Muppet. He was a Muppet on CJ Parker. Now that when he was CJ Parker, now it's like his hair has grown out. Now he really looks like a Muppet. And that entrance tickles me because I'm all about the entrances, if you can't tell, with this <laughs> circling around and why the cutout of Jay White when Jay White's right there. It's weird. <laughs> and but yes, so you have those things that those types of things I look for and give me joy when I'm 
think about AEW, like those are some of the positives about AEW um, that I see. So House of Black, definitely still. I'm confused by Ricky Starks. I know he's champion. I want him to be champion. He also won a tournament earlier this year, but they got him with Big Bill. Yeah, it's confusing. I don't, I need him away from Big Bill. Yeah, because I feel like they're trying to make him, you know, like, and you can't top that, you know? Yeah, I don't like that at all. (laughs) No, because it's like, that's not Stroke Daddy. No. It's like, that's not who Ricky Starks is. Ricky Starks is like fly ass. I dress like I'm on Miami Vice. I'm the coolest, smoothest person. Like, that's who Ricky Starks is. It's not, ugh. I'm saying, you know, you're right. Because you know what that should actually be? That should be Shawn Michaels and Diesel. If you're going to put them together, Bill needs to be Diesel. Like, tall muscle for the shorter, cocky, loudmouth guy who maybe writes more than his, you know, his little ass can can cash. So you need backup. But this, no. But we're trying to talk about the things that we like. I think that it could work i like that i see ricky starks i want to see different ricky starks i guess um i'm like i said i'm intrigued with hook i think that they they do right by having him on not a lot and he's got his own belt his daddy's belt and just leaving him out of everything else and but still having him with different talent I think that's good. Commentary. Taz and, um, oh gosh. Excalibur? Excalibur. I'm about to say, you know, I'm about to say Piper Niven's husband because that's who he is to me. He's Wait, just really? her husband. Yeah. I don't ever know anybody's date. I find these things out so late. Yeah, they've been married for a few years though, right? Oh yeah, a couple at least, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, because I I think the picture they released, I'm trying to remember if he had the mask on or not, because it's not like anybody will recognize him without it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm, saying, I'm like, when they're tapping titles, do you think he's still got the mask? No, I don't want to know. No, so, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> so, so for that, um, but I do think that those two are very good in terms of commentary. JR being limited is smart. Don't torture us. Uh, who's the other guy? The old guy, Tony Schiavone. I mean, you know, like if I don't get to hear him say it's staying anymore, I mean, you talking about me being a sad kitty. Well, what made me happy about AEW this year? What did I enjoy? I enjoyed the rise of Swerve this year, even though he in one series of tweets took back all the work hard work he did in the ring for his fan wait, base. Wait, pause. Series of tweets? Oh, it was just the one? One was enough for me. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> I am not aware of more. That's why I'm like, well, wait. He's kind of been more? he's kind of been tiptoeing the past like two or three months. And it just kind of like seemed like this tweet culminated into where he'd been heading on what his Twitter. What tweet was this? 
Um, wasn't it something about he was talking about he wouldn't he didn't want to be defined as a black wrestler? Oh, what that was that? one of the it was one of the tweets that he had. Oh, that was earlier in the year. That's yeah, right. that was earlier in the year. Like I said, he's had kind of a series of kind of kind of like uh, tweets that you know it's like okay, I understand what you're trying to say, but hey, bro, you kind of alienating the whole point of what's what 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 you're trying to do. Yeah. So that's yeah. weird. That wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. See, I forgot about that. And that's even weirder when you think about how he's been vocal about wanting to be the first black AEW champion. So if you felt that way, why aren't you just saying, I want to be the next AEW champion, period? Why put a qualifier on it? You ain't Ron Simmons. Dang. <laughs> so I'm just like, no, really? Like if, I completely forgot about that. And then you want to dance to, I mean, for the listeners who may not know, dance to some rap lyrics, essentially calling black women ugly. Those are his lyrics that he wrote on his song. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember he dated a white girl at NXT. Well, and to be clear, for most black women, we don't care that you date interracially. We all. care when you disrespect black women. That's it. So date date your little white girl. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Be happy. Yeah. But leave us out of it. <laughs> Ooh, please. Sorry. Um, Sorry, other man. things that I enjoy <laughs> uh, this year in AEW, I enjoyed the re uh, focusing in on Samoa Joe. Um, I thought they did a really good job with Samoa Joe this year. Uh, everything he was in was very, very interesting. Great promos, um, great matches on Dynamite. So I thought that he was kind of like a kind of MVP this year of Dynamite. Um, I agree with Miss Simi. I really enjoyed Christian Cage. I really enjoyed his mastery of being a super heel, but doing the least to get the most. Um, you know, his matches were very smart. Um, he had really good matches, really hard-hitting matches. He's had some hardcore type matches, but he's done it in a way that a veteran would have a hardcore type match. You know what I'm saying? There's gonna be one or two spots that I take, and I've got enough of these other people around me to do the stupid crazy shit. Oh, we want to put somebody through a table? Okay, Nick Wayne, here you go. But here's your moment, kid. I'm not dumb enough to do that, but you're still young and dumb enough to have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I, I just thought that what he what how um Christian Cage um everything that he did this year was was great. Um can I just say really quickly, yeah. I totally agree because he said what this company needs is a father. <laughs> He said, because he essentially said, yeah, there's no leadership. There's nobody you fear here, but you're going to fear me. I'm going to be your father and was really, really serious about it. And I, when you're done, I do remember the, the other thing that I was struggling to remember. Okay. 
I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of you with your Julia Hart comment with the rise of Julia Hart and her ascension to the heights that she's reached. With Sky Blue, I really enjoyed um, first with Willow and Sky and then now Sky Blue kind of on her own and kind of making this little turn. Um, I really enjoyed uh, watching her um, really come into her own this year. I always thought that she was a good wrestler. She put on good matches but they never really had a story or any direction for her. But in the last few months with Julia Hart and her kind of having this Lusa association, they definitely made her more interesting. So I definitely have enjoyed that. I have a question uh, about that. Yes. Do you think that Sky Blue A should change her name to like Navy Blue or just <laughs> Blue Dark Blue, something to indicate the depth indigo whatever there you or, go that's probably indigo. what it is yeah indigo um yeah. or okay so we, we said yes to that the second question because she has changed her look mm-hmm. so the second question is do you think this is the leading away of julia and house of black or do you think this is bringing in whom we've now christened Indigo into the House of Black. Ooh. I think it would be interesting if they were recruiting. If Mm -hmm. it was like um, they want to make their faction bigger and they're trying to bring um, Sky Blue, now known as Indigo, into their faction. (laughs) (laughs) But what's unfortunate about most of the story is it takes place on the show that we don't watch on the regular basis. So a lot of this transformation and a lot of the story the nuts and bolts of it has taken place on rampage and if you're not following that week to week and then they just pop up randomly on dynamite or they just pop up randomly at the pay-per-view you're missing a really big chunk of what the intentions are so maybe it's not maybe she's becoming a member of the House of Black but maybe she's just becoming a follower of Julia Hart if that makes sense like she's maybe independent of the House of Black but she is um, indebted to Julia Hart well that's interesting because if her venom can do that to people but you don't actually have to be in the house of black can they essentially create sleeper agents slash disciples that they that can be activated at any time uh if um it could they could possibly go that route if they wanted to i guess because it seems that's what's happened to sky blue through the mistings is it changed her it made her heal slowly over time so you may have something something um i guess we'll begin to kind of wrap up the year on aew oh miss jupiter julie says you remembered the one thing that you couldn't remember so i'll start with that first before we Uh, one thing that they are doing well is if you watch the matches they try to do some different camera cuts so like in the ring where they're where both competitors are being introduced the camera 
it's almost like looking over one competitor's shoulder to the other person or looking at their hands or trying to catch a reflection off of a title or glasses or something where if they can come up with something visually interesting, they're doing it. I appreciate that because if I am allowed to watch wrestling or AEW in my house with these hating ass kids of mine, then, you know, you don't want to turn away from picture in picture. But that's also the reason why Tony Storm is so interesting. And thank, you know, shout out to Ben Makowitz for doing the, the intro because I did know what she was doing and seeing it because I do watch TCM. And it's also corporate synergy because they're all in the same package. So, you know, when she did the silent movie or her being in black and white as uh, Miss Simi mentioned, but them doing something interesting visually, I think they need to do that more and more and more in terms of um, setting themselves apart from other promotions, because that's the thing that WWE does really well. They have great packages. They have great production. So if they can develop their visual language of what it means to be on AEW and say, I want that type of presentation. I want to, I want to sign up for three months so I can look like that, or I can do this. I think that would go really well for them. All right. So looking forward, Miss Simi, give us the two part. What will be your lasting impression of AEW from 2023? And what are you looking forward to in the new year from this company? Um, my 2023 lasting impression of AEW is ooh, lots going on. A lot going on, and it's all backstage. So my um lasting impression um for AEW 2023 has been this has been real messy. Real messy. AEW is um, a messy bitch who lives for drama. <laughs> this has been my takeaway of that so far. And looking forward, uh, I don't even know if I want to have hope in there because they kind of dashed everything. But I guess um, I'm looking forward to Samoa Joe. Um, I'm looking forward to um, more of uh, Adam Cole, seeing if, you know, they give my Adam Page more things to do. And uh, I guess just looking forward to what the women are going to do with what they're given, because I'm not going to, like, hope for them to have more because it's shown that they don't want them to have more. But whatever it is that they have, I guess I'm just going to look forward to seeing what they do with that. All right, Miss Jupiter Julep, same two questions. Uh, your synopsis, overall thoughts, leaving AEW behind in 2023, and what you're looking forward to from them in 2024. For the most part, I think that they have done really well when it came to their pay-per-views and trying to give you bang for your buck. So if you only watch the pay-per-views, then I think that you would walk away satisfied and wanting to see the next one. 
I do think they need to be careful with the oversaturation of pay-per-views, though, specifically because it's not like you can pay $9.99 and get it. You know, $50 a month or more a month is a bit much. I enjoy their factions. I talked about House of Black, Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I used to like Death Triangle a lot. Um, But either way... I would say to increase your women's division more, but most importantly, figure out what you're going to do with ROH. Because if you're going to use it, like if we're going to listen to what you've said and say that maybe it's because they don't have an opportunity to develop as much because it's harder to get bookings and the, um, and the indies or whatever and, Possibly that's why there's so many intergender matches. Maybe they need to incorporate more of that. TNA does it, which is why I'm like, come on. I wish you were on TV more, not just because Trinity is there, but if they could figure out a way to use ROH to help develop the women's titles, or I should say the women talent, non-binary, other talent, to diversify talent, Um, then that would be helpful. Maybe ROH is Rampage. And that's what it, you change it that way. That might make more sense. Um, You talked about having perhaps too much TV on. I think that if they can still develop their own style where it's okay. Because I grew up, and I don't want to say grew up, but I rediscovered, um, WCW and WWE, where I was literally Monday Night Raw, Nitro, um, Thursday Thunder, uh, Friday Night SmackDown, what was it, Sunday Night Heat, they had something on Saturday night that was WCW. I was finding a way to watch all of it. So they had distinct things that they were offering and not just the different wrestlers. But because so many of the faces are the same from WWE, you have to give me something different. That's why Christian Cage, he's not Captain Charisma. He's our father and a naughty one at that. Like, mm. But um, yeah, so I'm rambling, but trying to tie it all in a bow for you as you say I think that they need to diversify and streamline and really oh shore up the cracks I don't need to know everything that goes on not right now in 10 years you can you can have your podcast and be chatty bitches which we all know that you are behind the scenes anyway that's that's what I would say oh yeah wait one more thing Figure out a way to do crossover promotion better. And that's it. When it comes to me, my lasting thoughts of AEW will probably be 2023. Um, Nobody listens to their elders. Nobody takes direction from people who can help them in this company. Tony Khan, the talent, 
anybody who seems like that they want to improve what is happening as far as the business or the end ring or the psychology or the mentality of the overall direction of the company seems to get shunned and outcast and labeled as a bad person. So Jim Ross got kicked to the side because he was openly critical of things that he saw that was just out of, just could not get his head around. You had CM Punk, you had Cody, um, all of these people who were behind the scenes trying to improve the business, make people think of, of this as a business and overall trying to be professionals in the wrestling part of AEW that maybe they just aren't open to or don't understand. So I think that will probably be the biggest takeaway I have from AEW uh, for 2023. Uh, for 2024, I hope that Tony realizes that he is one man and can't do everything. I would love to see him delegate a lot more of the responsibility like Miss Simi said earlier in the conversation, to be able to get out of the way, let other people deal with the day-to-day dealings of the booking, of the business, of the structure, of the disciplinary action. And you come in to keep morale high, make the tough final choice if there's a, you know, not a clear-cut um, path and we need a tiebreaker, you know, you be the final voice and say. But as far as the day-to-day dealings of the wrestling business, I would definitely hope that Tony would decide to kind of back away from that uh, upcoming in this year uh, going forward. So it's going to be a big year for them. They are going to be seeking a new TV deal. Um, They are basically counting on this TV deal to be a profitable company, to turn a profit for the first time in their existence. So it is very imperative that they provide a very, very good 2024, uh, beginning of 2024, first quarter at least. So when they go into these negotiations, they go in uh, with some type of momentum and uh, don't have to answer the question of like, okay, so why y'all let CM Punk go again? And why I don't have them anymore every time they go into these uh, TV execs and try to figure out a new deal for themselves. So that will be what I'm looking forward to from AEW in 2024. Well, as always, great conversation. Always fantastic insight from Miss Simi and Miss Jupiter Julep on these matters and issues. So I'm going to turn it over to Miss Simi. She's been a trooper hanging out with us. We're going to let her go and get her medicines in her and some rest. So, Miss Simi, shout out some thank yous, man. Shout out to you, Don, as always. Shout out to Miss Jupiter Julep. Always love having you. Shout out to the Rassacast family and the CSPN family, the patrons for paying a little extra to hear us talk some more. All you guys in the hashtag, because I love your commentary. <laughs> All right. And let me be the first or second to wish you a happy new year, Miss Simi. 
Happy New Year. And get well very, very soon. I'm praying so hard. <laughs> Miss Jupiter Julep, your shout outs and thank yous, man. Oh, well, hi, everybody. Well, shouting out to everybody who's listening to this. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. Um, wishing you a very happy 2024 and prosperous one at that. Um, Miss Sammy for coming on. And so much so that we named this episode the Miss Simi cast because it is literally all about you and your insight. And um, when I can't watch NXT or AEW, if it wasn't for you, Miss Simi, and you too, Dawn, but mainly Miss Simi, then I don't know that I would really know what's going on or decide to go into the deep dive and figure it out and, and look for clips. And, um, oh, you came off of mute. You come off to mute to cuss at me. No. <laughs> Say thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. And Dawn, my nemesis, who acknowledges that I'm right. I do like my grapes chilled, peeled and green green huh interesting i prefer it. i thought you would definitely be a purple seedless no seedless that ain't how god made it <laughs> anyway no no i <laughs> no color purple right now or the red i think they're really mainly red no no uh green please i like mine a little bit sour um just like our commentary towards each other that's why I picked it. But no, seriously, thank you for doing this and hopefully and helping me kind of think through and break down the year in wrestling because good lord, what the hell? 2023 was a year in wrestling and um helping prepare and clear our minds for the year in wrestling in 2024 could not do that without you. So thank you, buddy. Well, thank you once again, Miss Jupiter Julep and to Miss Simi for joining me here on this year in review for AEW and NXT. Uh, so many things happened in both of these companies. I'm glad that we got a chance to look back and to reflect and to uh, share our commentary with color on uh, those uh, really, really standout topics. A lot of uh, good things in NXT, a lot of controversy in AEW. Uh, Miss Simi, uh, thank you for always showing up, always bringing energy, always providing great commentary with color on both NXT and AEW. So definitely, if you're a patron, it's worth the five for the rants of Miss Simi each and every week. So please continue to support her and our NXT cast and the dark match. And of course, Miss Jupiter Julep, this podcast is a culmination of a year-long feud uh, between me and you when it comes to the value of Carmelo Hayes versus the star power of Trick Williams. And uh, yes, I do have to tip my cap and say that you have the upper hand because your point that you are making is going to be very evident very quickly upcoming because Carmelo Hayes can have great matches in a vacuum. But we all know that the main roster is much more about your personality and, and how over you can get on your physical charisma. And Carmelo's going to have to turn himself up, which may not be a natural thing for him, where Trick Williams is already there. And uh, all he has to do is just 
hone his entering ability, which is definitely much easier to to do and to kind of work around uh, if you aren't quite the wrestler in the ring, but you have all the charisma and the personality outside of it. So I will definitely, again, acknowledge you in your assessment and um, just looking forward to our next installment of this where it's going to be a party, y'all. So we're going to get everybody to come through, share some thoughts of what stood out to them in 2023 and what they're looking forward to in 2024 as a whole in the wrestling business. So I am looking forward to that one very much. So a lot of our usual players and maybe some uh, special guests, some people we hadn't heard from in a while uh, come through on that one. But we're going to get that in motion and you guys are going to hear it in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. And for Miss Jupiter Jula and Miss Simi, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and this has been the NXT and AEW Year in Review. Bye. See you hashtag. Bye.